Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie, and look, pal, I'm sure you call the shots where you come from, but around here, I'm the one who tells folks what to do. And my name is Matt. Is that a bench? <laughs> cool. Spoiler right, alert, so, it was a bench. Yes. We're going to be doing a little uh, summary, kind of like afterthoughts of the Book of Boba Fett has uh, finished as of last Wednesday. And so we're just going to go through and uh, give our thoughts on it. Yeah, so normally we're a cartoon podcast, but we've done these supplementals before to talk about other things like some of the movies and and other other media that's been produced. So we're just going to run through episode by episode and talk about what we thought overall of Book of Boba Fett. Have you done anything Star Wars-y other than... A few things, I guess. So I'm on vacation, so I edited all of our back the back podcasts and so we're all caught up on visions and so you can go to our feed and hear all of our visions content so we've now finished the first season of bad batch the 2003 tartavoski clone wars and the first season of visions that's in our total total bank as well as droids that was a thousand years ago and so we, we finished all of those series so that's that's fun some star wars stuff i did we actually got and i haven't actually texted you this yet but our large Hasbro Razor Crest came this week. And so I, I buy those special HasLab project vehicles that they do once a year, or once, I guess, every 18 months-ish. And I skipped this year because I wasn't interested in it. But the Razor Crest was last year's, and so they made a really big Razor Crest scaled for the three and a quarter, three and three quarter inch figures. And so the boys and I put that together this weekend. I'll send you a photo of it. It's pretty impressive. Oh wow! Yeah, seeing the um, seeing pictures of it, that's pretty pretty wild. Yeah, it has that's... like a nice stand it sits on, so it looks like it's flying. Cool. You could, I've I've just got a uh, custom version of it where I just have a spear and then a bunch of debris. That also works. Other than that, I've just been sort of poking around reading comics. I thought about watching the original trilogy this week. I just the week got away from me. But I'm on vacation next week too, so hopefully I'll get some movie watching in. Have you done anything? I'm just reading the the uh, new High Republic novel. I can't think of the name. It's it's a young adult novel. I'm not super thrilled with it, but there's some I guess there's some interesting stuff in there that I've never encountered Star Wars that's completely horrible and bad where there's not at least a little bit of something that I find inter- interesting. So it's it's good uh, for listening to when I'm running in the morning. Midnight Horizon? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, by uh, Daniel Jose Older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's another thing I, I forgot to mention. I, I'm about halfway through that book as well. But but we'll have, we might, I don't know, we can talk about doing a wrap-up of Phase 1 of the High Republic and another supplemental down the road and what we, what we think about how, how they're doing with this sort of experiment. But I'll... I've been generally pleased with everything I've experienced yeah, in too. the High Republic. Yeah, there's a there's a few kind of the smaller books that I need to get, and the I haven't read any of the IDW comics, but they're they're really cheap on uh, Kindle, so I can should be able to pick those up for at least on discount. Well, all right, since we're covering the entire series of Boba Fett, we want to keep this to a relatively short 
recording if possible. So we're going to go just real quickly, chapter by chapter, giving sort of the highlight reel of the of each episode, what we liked about it, and then just have a short discussion and then get through them pretty quickly, I think, hopefully. Do you want to lead off, Jamie, with chapter one? Yeah. So, yeah, so the first one, chapter one, Stranger in a Strange Land, which is the, the Robert Heinlein book. This one's directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's just kind of the, the intro. There's a lot of flashbacks. Basically, Fed escapes from the Sarlacc. The Jawas steal his armor. We know that they got the armor somehow. He's taken prisoner by some Tuscans. And then Boba Fett and Fennec are just trying to uh, figure out how to be crime bosses. And then there's a, it ends in a flashback where Boba saves the, seems like, I guess like the son of the, the Tuscan chief. And then he's allowed to uh, join the tribe, or at least he's not treated like a prisoner anymore. And this one was pretty good. The first one, everybody's just like, I have no idea what to expect. And um, first watching it for me, I was kind of like, that's weird. And then they've got that thing that looks like from the, the monster that looks like from Clash of the Titans at the end. But in the end, I, I enjoyed it overall. I think it was a good it was a good start. The thing that I expected was actually showing him escaping from the Sarlacc pit at some point in the series, and episode one didn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. They l- let off with it, yeah. and it was it was cool, and it was you, showed, you saw the inside and him using his flamethrower and stealing the oxygen from the stormtrooper, and then somehow crawling up through the sand later in sort of the online discourse around the show, people were saying, oh, Boba Fett is weak now. He's he's soft. He's gotten soft in his old age and all this stuff. But he's you're literally watching his rebirth and baptism by sand sort yeah. of situation. This is a Lazarus story. He is coming back to life, and this trauma changes him. And it's great to see how he navigates the Tuscan tribe, and then him killing whatever that Kraken thing was. A very Harryhausen monster, but I loved it. I, I really liked this episode a lot. I, I thought it was a little confusing from a story construction point of view, but overall the content was perfect to me. I was, oh, like, I'll fill in this gap for us. Yeah, this is awesome. Where's he been for five years? He's been with Tuscans? Okay. Neat. Yeah, well, yeah and here's the thing that he it's brought out later that it wasn't showing him escaping that wasn't right after return of the jedi he had apparently been in there for years no i think the timeline has been pretty well established that he that he gets out the next day no he's he said that he was in there for years how could he be in there for years i don't know that that's what he said all right i'll have to i'll have to look at look that up again because i thought i thought he was i don't know i'll have to think about that I don't know the timeline. This is the problem. This is this was the, the issues with the story construction I was talking about. They don't give us clues as to how long pieces are in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. We don't know how long he's with the tribe. We don't know how long he's without the tribe. We just know the big signposts that, that when he finds Finnick in the desert, which we're going to talk about in a couple minutes, it's been about five years since the sail barge blew up. That's... That's the only time thing we know for sure. Yeah, and I wish I could remember which episode it was that he says it, but he, he made it sound like that he had been in there for uh, a few years. I thought that maybe he just woke up after getting knocked unconscious, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I heard it wrong, but it sounded like that he had 
been in there a while and then just somehow he woke up and, es- and escaped. So as the part where you say people are saying he's weak, yeah, even if he hadn't been in there like sitting in there for years, the guy lost a battle. He's been he's in the stomach of a giant monster and basically the de- he escapes and then he's in the desert. People die crossing the desert all the time trying to get to uh, the U.S. So unless you've lived in the southeast or sorry southwest or somewhere in the desert, maybe if any of our listeners have served uh, in the military, there the desert is unforgiving and you and you can become really weak real fast. Supposedly the sarlacc can keep people alive to torture them for some reason. That was the myth about the sarlacc, but. We need to watch episode four, apparently, to get to the bottom of what exactly he says. Yeah. Do you want to move on to chapter two? Yeah. Uh, Go for it. So chapter two, The Tribes of Tatooine. This was directed by Steph Green. So this is another big flashback episode, except in the previous episode, the previous episode pretty much ended with them, where the last plot point in the present time, they were attacked by assassins. And so this show opens up with them basically interrogating that assassin. And the assassin claims that the mayor hired him, and the mayor denies it and kills the assassin. But then a pair of huts show up with a black chrysanthemum, and they threaten Boba Fett. The rest of the episode is basically a flashback where Boba's learning to fight like a Tuscan. He's being trained by the Tuscan princess. He sees the train carrying the spice, and the pike shooting up the Tuscans. Boba Fett convinces them, the Tuscans, to let him go free to go steal some bikes. He beats up a Necto gang. Once again, showing he's not weak at all. I think it's in a huge bar fight. And uh, Fixer and Cammy are there, which is awesome. The Tashi station. Yeah. Um, which apparently is a really shitty bar. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he beats uh, up the... Go Uncle Owen was right to... <laughs> didn't know what... Not let Luke go there. Yeah. So he beats up this gang and gets these bikes, and he teaches Tuscans to use them, and then they have this great attack on the train. It's just mm-hmm. phenomenal. The, the the attack on the train, I know I know Star Wars Minute gave it a hard time saying it was very tropey, but it, the, the action was just cinematic. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then Fett goes on a spiritual journey led by his nose lizard, and then he gets to build the gaffy stick. So the things that I really appreciated about this episode right up top huts i love huts every time you put a hut in something you're already winning i love rhoda mm-hmm. i love zero i love gracchus i love these twins they're amazing um so yes huts and you and i were both losing our shit over black chrysanthemum showing up yeah that was completely unexpected for me he's been a, a favorite ever since i Saw him in the the first Darth Vader comic. And he's just basically the the anti Chewie. He's a he's the anti Chewie after the anti Han. It's it's wonderful. It's so respectful to the materials, the non live action or cartoon materials that they would even bother to include this character. And his costume, Chrysanthemum's costuming, is amazing. It's got to be the best looking Wookiee we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's massive. And, and, and the, so perfect. Whoever's, yeah, I, I need to look up the actor because he's just perfect. His facial expressions and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, oh, I saw it. Casey Jones. That doesn't seem right. But yeah, they got a lot of things right about Black. It's Casey Jones. All right, cool. 
They, you couldn't see it, but he's got the huge scar on the left side of his head from where Obi-Wan fucked him up. Obi-Wan's good at fucking people up and not actually finishing the job. <laughs> that's, a, that's a signature move. So back to episode two or chapter two. The flashback stuff, like I said, I, I really found the training to be... I mean, it has the great line, like a bantha in it, where he's trying to teach him how to ride. That That training montage is really, really good, in my opinion. It just does a phenomenal job of showing them getting better and better. And then the attack on the train is wonderful. The spiritual journey was definitely an odd thing to include, but I enjoyed it. I I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. I like culture. I like weird culture. I think Star Wars is good when it's being weird and pushing the boundary. I didn't mind. I thought the making of the gaffy stick went on a little long, but... These episodes don't really have a runtime. You're not trying to cram everything into a 22-minute slot. Some of them are 35 minutes, some of them are 45 minutes. So if you want to have five minutes of them chipping away at a stick, that's fine. Overall, I really, really liked it. Any thoughts on two? Yeah, it it was it was much better than one for certain. And this is the one where my my opinion changed. Oh, this is. This is the real deal. This is pretty much anything that was, any any kind of doubts I might have had were erased with this one. You were sort of on the fence after one. This might be good. This might be not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one turned it around for you, right? Cause I I like Robert Rodriguez, but he can be kind of hit and miss sometimes. So with this one, it, the it was just just great. The spiritual journey, the like the fact that there's a tree somewhere out there that, that he was he. He wandered pretty much high on spice, found a tree, and brought back a branch to make into a gaffy six. Never seen a tree on Tatooine in any of the Star Wars stuff. But that's what makes it mystical. That's what makes it... It's a place you can only find when you're high and being driven by a lizard. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to move on to Chapter 3? Sorry, you got all the Robert Rodriguez ones. (laughs) Oh, no, that's all right. The third one was Streets of Mos Espas, like you said, directed by Robert Rodriguez. So Boba meets some mods. They're a street gang. They're pretty much a group of young punk cyborgs. They've been uh, stealing water from a watermonger. Sorry, a watermonger who's played by, I can't think of the actor's name, but he's the voice of Bill from King of the Hill. and Steven he, Root. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and he's, he's, he's a great um, character actor. And so instead of really doing anything about them, he just he decides to employ them instead and then there's a flashback where he he finds the Tuscan village destroyed, and it's suggested that the, the Nictos uh, were the ones that did it. And then just partially through the flashback, Black Chrysanthemum rips Fett out of the tank, and then they fight. Then there's a you know fight between Fett and his boxer briefs and the soaking wet and the mods, and but eventually they uh, capture Chrysanthemum, and the Huts show up to apologize to trying to kill Boba. And they tell him that the the mayor has promised uh, Mos Espa to the Pikes, and that they're that they're going back. They don't want to have anything to do with uh, this. So they give uh, they pretty much give him Chrysanthemum and a Rancor as part of their apology. And Fett releases Rank, sorry, Chrysanthemum, and then he he talks with the the Rancor keeper, who is played by, of course, Machete Danny Trejo. Yeah, you called it. You, yeah. you told me before this series even started. You're like, oh, I wonder how he's going to get Dan Trejo in here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect role for him. Yeah. 
yeah, they just he was just in just enough where he's now officially part of Star Wars and he can he can milk that into the day he dies. But he's a huge you know, Star Wars fan. He he his Twitter feed even before Boba Fett, he would always tweet about Bad Batch and other things. Danny Trejo is a huge Star Wars guy. Really? Yeah. That's totally rad. He's he's he seems everything I've heard about him and just heard other people talking about him. He just, he sounds like a real genuine guy. He's really happy to, to be where he is unlike a lot of people in hollywood so and then well it, it ends in kind of a it ends in kind of a weird chase the uh, the mods they they're speeder bikes the nikto gang has kind of like i don't want to say harleys but they're they're more of kind of what you would think of a biker gang to have I would definitely say the Nictos have sort of ape hanger Harleys. Right. Like yeah. It, this, the difference in between the mods and the Nictos are really a difference in between Harleys and Vespas. Yeah, and the the mods all have different colored Vespa speeders, so it's a little difficult to take them seriously and th- take the action seriously. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just I don't know. I mean, it, it was cool because it had kind of that that it was very much like a Vespa or like kind of like that '50s kind of vibe where the cars would have the wings in the back and very very bright colors i mean i i get the criticism of it because everyone's like it's way out of place nothing on tatooine looks like that super out of place what i don't one i don't care because i read the comics and there's all sorts of dumb shit in the comics and i just let it sail right by and i think if this were in a comic it would go completely unexamined but they're supposed to be like weird outsiders they're they're supposed to be oh we're we're mods or maybe mm-hmm. they're modifying themselves, but also from a 60s sensibility, it means modern. Mm-hmm. So they're supposed to be new, yeah. the new hotness. And so, yeah, their speeder bikes are going to look different. They're going to look bright colored and brand new. Also, it looks like something out of a Who video. So anyway, I understand the criticism. I actually found it sort of funny. The other the other point is, is that they're sort of chasing that major domo guy, the Twi'lek. Mm-hmm. And he is not a villain. He is a dignitary he's an executive assistant for a politician he's not going to be hard mm-hmm. be hard to chase down of course you can chase him down on a vespa it's almost it almost makes it funnier anyway i don't care when star wars gets silly it's also i don't know i've forgiven the prequels at this point there's almost nothing i won't forgive <laughs> you know yeah well there, there's so much stuff you don't really get to see they dress like they dress very fashionably all the major characters in Star Wars always wear the exact same outfits, except for Padme and Leia, because for whatever reason, they have to constantly change clothing. But everyone else is always wearing the exact same thing. So seeing so, so seeing people dressed in modern, what would be considered, I guess, modern fashion, though the one kind of makes me think of Joan Jett. I didn't really bother to learn their names. I think most of them are unnamed, but... She definitely has a name, but I also did not bother to learn their names yet. Yeah, like I said, I understand the criticism. I understand why people don't want to see a 20-something young woman in a leather jacket with a zipper on it wearing, riding a Vespa on Moss Eisley, or in Moss, Moss Espa on Tatooine. The jury's still out for me with kind of the mods because I, I like the idea that instead of just getting a bunch of shitty tattoos, they're getting a bunch of... You know, sh- shitty cybernetic implants. But it was a cool idea. Yeah, it, it is a cool idea. It, I guess, it, it. The thing that makes it weird is that that Tatooine seems very primitive, even in the city. So it does. The city doesn't feel very metropolitan. If 
if you were to run into this gang on Coruscant or Corellia, or a major population center, then then it'd be oh, okay. But they they just they do definitely just seem kind of just kind of weird. And there's also a very kind of weird '80s vibe about them. Yeah, that's why I said the Who. Yeah, there's something about them that that just screams the Who to me. But that's an interesting point. I'd not thought about that. What they would be more. No one would look twice at them on Coruscant because Coruscant is where all the crazy shit is, and so no nobody would care if there was a mod gang on Coruscant mm-hmm. riding around on Vespas. We've seen weirder stuff on Coruscant for sure. Yeah, hmm, that's really cool. That's a really interesting thought. Where would they fit in, and why are they on Tatooine? It's a good question. What did you think of three? Three overall, it was good. It was not. It's is it's hard to follow up. Two, sorry, yeah, two. But uh, I, I liked it overall. I'm pretty much a huge apologist for a lot of the stuff that's not quite right in Star Wars. So I, I'll, I'll find a way to, to excuse it. So with this one, I'm, I'm able to, to do that as well. Yeah, like everything in Star Wars, there are things I really liked in this one and things I didn't like as much. Overall, I liked it. It was not my favorite episode so far. It's really, like you said, it's really hard to follow too. Do you want to move on to Chapter Four? All right, let's do it. So in Chapter 4, The Gathering Storm, which I originally thought was the name of a High Republic book, that is Rising Storm, so my bad. Uh, so we're still in the flashback phase. Most of this is told in flashback. Fed is on his own after the Tuscans have been killed, and he wants to retrieve his ship, Slave 1, from the parking garage of Jabba's palace. But it's too well guarded. He wants to break in and steal it. So he sees... When he's hanging out in the desert, he sees the flares that are going off from the Mandalorian episode with Fennec Shand in it when the Mandalorian and that punk kid are trying to hunt down Shand. And she ends up with a blaster to the stomach dying on the desert. We see Boba Fett retrieve her body and takes her to a mod shop to get cybernetics installed to save her life. Yes, I thought this was really kind of an interesting thing. Again, it seems kind of a little out of place. Uh, and weird, but uh, like a mod shop, which or mod, they call it a mod parlor, which is very um, reminiscent of a tattoo parlor. You just go in, find a mod you want, and off the wall, <laughs> and then and then get it. So so because for the longest time I was thinking, how the hell he doesn't have his armor and he still looks crap, but somehow he's able to get her medical treatment. So it makes sense that he just took her to just some, I want to say off the books, but not official medical, like a hospital. This just is definitely like, a back alley abortion clinic. Yeah. But it, it establishes that in this post-Return of the Jedi era, this is something that happens. There's a gang of these cyborgs. There are mod shops popping up. It's under the table surgeries and things. We don't know what the laws are surrounding these things. Presumably it would be a regulated industry. Being in my background, I assume it's a regulated industry, but maybe not. Maybe you can get a special eyeball that can see in the infrared spectrum installed. I don't know, but it's they establish that they exist, and then they use it in the past. So he takes Shand to get there. She's not happy about this, by the way. Not initially. She thinks she's been violated, and her body's been modified without her consent. But eventually she's just happy to be alive and understands why he did it. So Fett and Cyborg Shand break into Jawa's palace and steal Slave One. Fennec agrees to do this to pay him back for saving her life. But after they're done, she decides to hang around and help out Boba Fett. They hunt down the Nikto biker gang. 
that Vet thinks is responsible for the massacre of the Tuscans and kills them. And then they go back to the Sarlacc pit to look for his armor. They kill the Sarlacc by dropping a seismic charge down into it. And then he goes digging around in the body and can't find his armor. That's the flashback part. The present part is Boba goes to the sanctuary and hires Black Chrysanthemum as his muscle. And Boba and Finnick host a dinner with the other crime families, asking them not to get involved with disputes, and they all agree. Mm-hmm. This episode marks more than the halfway point. We passed the halfway point the whole series here. So we should have a pretty good idea what's going on. We're basically out of the flashbacks, because the flashbacks are catching up with present day. It brings us all the way up past season one of The Mandalorian, at least. And so we're getting very close to modern time. So now we know that Vet has a ship. He's on a quest to find his armor. We know how that turns out. Mm-hmm. Cobb Vanth has it. Mandalorian gets it in episode one of season two with Mandalorian, and then gives it to Boba Fett a few episodes later. Yeah, that's what I would I would have liked to have seen that his interaction with Cobb Vanth, or maybe he didn't. Maybe he was just because I would assume he'd be like, "Where's my armor?" and he'd be like, "I gave it to that Mandalorian." And then he'd be like, okay, I don't know. Now that I say it, and yeah, it's kind of boring, but. I'll let you write. We'll, we'll, we'll get Marvel let us write the the one-off mm-hmm. special comic where they have a, a drink together and uh, Cobb tells them that the Mandalorian took it. But overall, I was getting pretty hungry for the future, the present time story during this episode. I'm getting a little frustrated that we're still spending so much time in the past. Mm-hmm. But I thought at this point, I'm well, they're setting in. They're setting it all up. The next episode has to be all about Boba Fett and Boba Fett putting all of his machinations in place and getting all set up. Yeah, well, there's the they kind of the last flashback has him coming out and the droid telling him that you're completely healed. So that pretty much tells us that there'll be no more flashbacks, that it'll be 100% in the present from this point forward. Yes, and I was very excited. I was Not that I disliked the flashbacks. I thought that was really a useful thing. But I said earlier, I just didn't like the story construction. It almost would have made more sense just to have two or three episodes in the past and then say he gets a ship or jump forward and say two years later, he spends two years wandering the desert and then he gets a ship back when he finds Fennec. And then we know how the, he gets his armor back and then he comes back and kills Bib. And now, now the actual series starts. I just think mm-hmm. you could have con- I think you could have condensed it and not had the flashback to tank for every time you get in the back to you get a flashback. I didn't, but I don't hate it. It's just one of these things that I thought was very clunky about the show. Because you do have the droid coming out and being like, oh, you're finally healed, so now we don't have to go back in time anymore. <laughs> it's, okay, sure. But no, it was, once again, not my favorite episode. Chapter 4 is not my favorite. But... It made me excited for more because I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you set the stage, you got rid of the huts, unfortunately, but but we have all the pieces now, and we know how all of it all of it happened. Yeah. And then Boba Fett eventually moves into that palace where he trashed the parking garage, so he's gonna have to pay for the, those repairs. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of just little Star Wars things here and there, like Black Crescent gets drunk and just tears the uh, tears through a bunch of uh, Trandoshans. Just got showing that he that Wookiees and Trandoshans don't get along. He he rips the arm off of one. Being a high functioning alcoholic, I found that scene very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and the the guy who runs the mod parlor, he, it it looked like he had a uh, super battle droid arm, 
Really? Uh, yeah. I need to take a closer look at him. I really like that character, though, so uh, that's that's a cool detail. I, I just didn't notice it. That's awesome. I mean, because it was just big, and it had three three fingers. All right, I think we both talked about this one, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go on? We've set the stage. Now it's all going to be about Boba Fett. Why don't you go on and right. talk about Chapter 5? Okay, so Chapter 5 is called Return of the Mandalorian by Bryce Dallas Howard. And there was actually hints of it in the previous episode. At the, the last minute, they kind of played the Mandalorian's theme. So made it seem like maybe that we would see him, but I, I, didn't, I didn't think that they would do it. But shows what I know. I don't think anybody expected what we got for this episode, but I think the, the expectation was, based on the musical cue, that we were going to see Din. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we do. So Din's on a um, space station, and he's going to get some Klaatuinian, some guy who probably owes a lot of money or something. He's in a, a meat packing plant and gets into gets into a fight. He he's alone. He has the darts, dark saber. He ends up chopping the guy's head off, and then tells the rest of the Klaatuinians that hey, your boss is dead. If you let me pass, there's a ton of money in there that you can have. And so they decide to take the money. He gets them. He returns the head. Says he doesn't want them, and he just wants to know where some access shaft is. And you find out that this is where the the leftovers of the Mandalorian culvert from Navarro are. And it's just two left. It's the armor and Paz Paz Vizsla. Yeah. So he threatens. He takes the head back to the Ishi Tib, and he basically says, "I don't want the money. Just tell me where the access port is." And she sort of teases him, and he's like, "All right, I'll give this head to someone else, and they'll pay me." Mm-hmm. And, then, and then she tells him where the port is, but he's he's all business. Yeah, yeah. So and there's a pretty cool scene where he's he's talking with the the armorer about the the dark saber and about Bo-Katan, and you get to see in flashbacks what's the the night of a thousand tears, which is when the empire decides to retaliate against Mandalore, and it's pretty devastating. There's just really hundreds of TIE bombers, and they just, they're just they just nuking everything, or the Star Wars equivalent of nuking everything. Like the big dome city just gets obliterated. And then you see a very Terminator-type scene where there's the, the Imperial Security droids, the K2SO models. They're just wandering uh, around in the rubble. You see them shoot the Mandalorian, and then there's also probe droids. So it's it's pretty wild and it's pretty horrific. They really screw them screw them hard. And so and then the armor is saying that it's this was all prophesized because Bo-Katan wasn't worthy. And you 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 find out that the dark saber is hard to handle. That and maybe that Din just doesn't know how to fight with a lightsaber. So kind of makes me wonder: Does is fighting with the lightsaber harder than it looks? I I don't know. If, I don't know. What what did you think about this? The whole like where he says that he gets that he's fighting apparently he's fighting against the blade and it's harder to swing the more he fights with it. Yeah, it's it's a callback to Rebels when Sabine says it's heavy and it's getting heavier when she's training with it. But it's something that I don't quite understand personally. And I don't really like I actually think the armor is a terrible character. I know this is not popular. But I think she is a religious zealot uh-huh. who is basically abusing these people, using their using their belief system to inflict pain and suffering on them. It is wildly disgusting. 
from my personal worldview. And yeah. and she has whittled this group down to two and is still making them fight to the death over shit. It is wild. Yeah. And so, a, go ahead. Yeah, because Paz Vizsla decides that he wants to, to challenge Din for the for the right to, to hold the Darksaber. And they fight, and Din eventually wins, but he's he's cast out because he's taken his helmet off, called an apostate. And but the more I think about it, that that I think the in this sort of society or cult or whatever that the armorer would be considered the, the I guess the leader or the the spiritual leader. So they can you know they can just say whatever they, the armorer can just say whatever the hell she wants, and they'll just eat it up. Yeah, she's as, the infallible the voice voice of of their history and religion, and so she's the pope. And so the pope can go out tomorrow and say like, "Oh, everyone's got to wear purple underwear." The God God told me, and then a mm-hmm. large per, per, per percentage of that faith would go out and buy purple underwear. I mean, it's it's an absurd example, but look up the history of why Catholics eat fish on Fridays. Yeah. It's it's to help the fishing industry 500 years ago, and God whispered something in the pope's ear, and it became law. So this is not yeah. this is not far fetched at all. She, yeah, that, she is the villain. Yeah, Din was on. I guess like they were all on uh, Concord Dawn. Concord Dawn. That's right. Yeah, and so making it making it sound like it was because they were they were wise. They're there. Just it's just basic cult leader stuff. They're just kind of making shit up as they go along. We're blaming Bo-Katan for everything and saying Bo-Katan wasn't worthy, and you can tell because she lost. Yeah. And that's why you have the sword. Now you two fight to the death for it. Yeah. It's like, are you fucking crazy, lady? What's wrong with you? Anyway, yeah. we shouldn't spend a lot of time analyzing their religion. We can do that in season three wrap-up of Mandalorian. Yeah. But yeah, he's he gets cast out, and he's he, they kind of tee up for what might be in store for season three, that he can only repent by some strange quest by going back to Mandalore. For a baptism, uh, please do not make that episode. He needs the whole thing is like he needs. I know I just said we we're gonna stop, but he, the whole thing is like he needs to go get baptized in the springs under Mandalore. And please, please, please don't make this episode. That sounds so dumb. Just don't do it. Just make yeah. it. Just make it so he becomes, or he hands the saber to Sabine, or Bo-Katan, or somebody. Diffuse this religious fundamentalist nonsense from this show. It is the mm-hmm. worst plot line in a in an otherwise phenomenal show. Yeah. So I was actually surprised that he went back. Or that Bo Katan let him go. <laughs> yeah. Whoops, I accidentally shot you in the back. He has the Beskar spear and she says that Beskar the Beskar spear could pierce Beskar armor, so Beskar shouldn't be used for Weapons only armor. So she makes... I liked that detail, by the way. I think that makes perfect sense for their culture that you shouldn't make weapons out of Beskar. Beskar is her armor. Yeah, and so she makes something. You can see the the what, what looks like chainmail ringlets, but you never actually see what she makes. And then it gets packaged up in a neat little cloth with two big ears. So then he he goes on the space greyhound has to check all his baggage <laughs> pretty much like all, all his weapons and then he goes to Tatooine and meets up with Peli Mato who uh, has a new ship for him and so the rest of the episode is them rebuilding a Naboo starfighter and just some various banter back and forth and then it shows him flying it he gets he gets pulled over again <laughs> by some X-wings and then he just blasts off and 
that's pretty much the episode. Yeah, so the the building of the Starfighter is another sort of montage that lasts longer than a normal montage would. If you're watching like a sitcom or or like evening drama that has mm-hmm. to hold to a time limit, they would have cut that down to two or three minutes. It goes on for a very long time. And I saw a lot of people complaining about it. I'm like, like who cares? They're putting together a Lego kit. And so, yeah, you get to see BD1 from Fallen Order. Fallen Order, yeah. Like helping and stuff. And Den working with droids. It's fun. And he gets a little hot rod out of it. It's fine. Yeah. It's also a yeah. scene that Lucas would have 100% put in a film because it's tinkering with a car. Yeah. And the, the only thing I could think of was, how is he going to, if he's a bounty hunter, how is he going to bring any bounties back? There's no room. But that's a that's a question for a season three of uh, The Mandalorian. He's going in the wrong direction. Once you get a kid, you're supposed to go get the minivan. He has yeah. a van. And he gets the kid, and he goes and he buys a Corvette. Yeah. And puts like a, throws a car seat in the back. Yeah. Yeah, where, where Astromech Droid would have been is now like a bubble. Kind of reminds me of the the old type of sidecar where they'd be like completely enclosed and it's just like a bubble. But all right. And then that's, and then he does end up meeting with Fennec Shand, but he says he's got to go someplace first, which then leads us into episode six. Well, I do want to talk about what, what you, what you thought about episode five, what were your over, overall impressions of it? I, I liked it overall. It was, it was a little jarring because it had nothing to do with kind of the main story until the very end. And, and even then, yeah, even then, it's kind of mm, barely. And but I did. I will. I will always forgive when there's massive lore reveal. So the kind of the the stuff of the Mandalorians, the Night of a Thousand Tears, that was pretty rad. So I was, I was willing to accept that. And then Amy Sedaris was great as usual. You know, you find out that Jawas are hairy, and that she lets them she lets them root around in her dumpster. <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah, as far as an episode of The Mandalorian is concerned, it, it was a very good episode of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I think it's top-notch live-action Star Wars. I really enjoyed it. I was very confused the entire time because I was oh, so now he's going to go off and meet up with Boba Fett. Oh, no, he has to take Space Greyhound. Okay, now he's going to meet up with Boba Fett. Oh, no, he's going to build this ship. Now he's going to. He's going to test fly the ship and get pulled over by the cops. And it just yeah. kept going and going and going. It's sort of like, sort of like in Force Awakens when I was like, when is Luke showing up? Yeah, well, I kept on thinking, okay, he's going to meet, meet back up with Bo-Katan and, and the other Mandalorian. I was like, nope, 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 not at all. So it's one of those where it's just, this wasn't actually, head, this wasn't headcanon that was getting in my way. This was like something I really expected to happen because it made sense, didn't happen, so... I was definitely kind of confused, but I've learned to let that sort of shit go after a while because you'll you'll just you won't you won't, <clears throat> you won't enjoy anything in Star Wars if you're expecting a smooth continuity from you know point A to point B. That's a good point, and so and so I thought it was I thought it was fine too, and it makes me it was literally like someone had dropped in an episode from a different TV series into this series, but it's the Mandoverse, so I guess we. I'll get to play with the same toys. So I had no idea. I had no idea what chapter six was going to be about, except that it was directed by Dave Filoni. So I had a suspicion that Ahsoka may show up, but I wasn't sure about that. So chapter six, 
from the desert comes a stranger. So the show opens up with Cobb Vanth confronting some pikes doing a spice deal near Mos Pelgo. He gets in a shootout with them and kills all but one and destroys the spice shipment. The episode's called From a Desert Comes a Stranger, and they immediately open up in the desert with Cobb Vanth. I was super happy. I was, oh, I would have been happy if that were the cameo or the guest appearance in the episode. That would have been it for me. I would have been, I love Cobb Vanth. Thank you for bringing him back. He can be the, the stranger from the desert. Love it. But the Mandalorian in his new ship flies to the under construction Jedi temple to see Grogu and give him his gift. He meets Ahsoka and she convinces him not to see Grogu but leave the gift for him. Basically, Din had a bad drop-off at daycare and thought showing up (laughs) at lunch was going to help out. And the daycare employees tell him to get lost. Mm -hmm. So Din flies back to Tatooine without seeing... And then we see something I 100% didn't expect to see in the Book of Boba Fett, which is a Luke training Grogu montage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I couldn't believe that they are doing this. Yeah, and the second I saw R2, I was just like, oh boy, they're going to do it. <laughs> Even when I saw R2, I was like, no, they're not going to they're gonna show us Luke again. And then they, so we see Luke helping Grogu remember Order 66, learn how to force jump, and avoid a training remote, and do other things. He smashes the training remote with his hand, he levitates, he does some other stuff. So we cut back to Tatooine. Din Djarin has met up with Boba Fett and Finnick Shand and is now headed out to Mos Pelgo to talk to Vanth to see if the town people will help fight the, the pikes in Mos Espa. Vanth is hesitant, but he decides to gather all the people of Fighting Age to help. After Din leaves, Cad Bane shows up, and he's the stranger from the desert. This was a wonderful reveal. Mm-hmm. His design is amazing. In live action, first time in live action. He threatens Vanth and tells him to step aside and let let happen what will happen. Vanth, uh, Cobb Vanth, Bane, and the deputy all get in this weird standoff, and the deputy blows it and ends up dead, and ends up dead, and Cobb Vanth is shot too. Deputy's dead. Vanth is on the ground. Cad Bane says, just let the spice flow and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. The spice must flow. The spice mm-hmm. must flow. The pikes, two pikes go into the sanctuary and leave a bomb inside and blow it up, killing everybody inside. And then we cut back to the Jedi Temple and Luke tells Grogu that he can either have Yoda's lightsaber or the gift the Mandalorian left for him, this chainmail shirt. And Luke says if Grogu, Grogu is basically picking whether or not he wants to be attached to people or be a Jedi in the worst argument two divorced parents have ever had with a child. <laughs> you can either go home, you can either go home with your dumb mommy or you can stay with me and I'll teach you how to shoot this gun. Yeah. It is, it is wild that this is like the choice that's levied toward Grogu, but the show ends with Grogu, Grogu's choice. Mm-hmm. And and the uh, the weird thing about I don't want to get through this, but the the thing that occurred to me is that Luke does mention that what's a short period of time for Grogu is a lifetime for anybody else. 
So yeah, he really sells it. <laughs> yeah. So for I mean, spoilers. We all know what Krogu chooses, but that's the obvious choice because he could always get trained. <laughs> I think worked out for every five years, or for what would seem like five years for him, or, or say what would be five years for somebody else is like fifty years for Krogu. Yeah, he's aging at about a tenth the speed of a human. Right? Yeah, so like, ten years, ten years to a human is one year to him. Yeah, even if the events of the, like, the Last Jedi didn't happen, Luke would be dead and Grogu would still be a little kid. So right. it's fifty, it's forty years. We'll call it forty years later. Grogu would be four years older. So instead of yeah. like a six-year-old or whatever, he would be like ten, which is yeah. a significant difference in the developmental age. But it's still a kid. Yeah, and the, and of course the Mandalorian would be long gone. So it would be. Actually, it makes sense to live out his time with the Mandalorian and then go back to the, to the doing the Jedi thing. It's like when you realize how much longer Chewie lives than a human. You realize that Han Solo is like Chewie's third dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there could there could have been plenty of other people he had uh, strong relationships with that Han was just one of many. <laughs> and that's worse for Grogu because Grogu yeah. lives even longer. Yoda lived to 900 and something. So so let's talk about our feelings about this show. I'm going to all lead off and say, once again, as a piece of live-action Star Wars, it may be the most important thing that they've produced so far. Because the CGI on Luke, or the deep fake Luke, was incredible. It was head and shoulders above Season 2 finale of Mandalorian. Um... And I was texting you, I was, just make a Luke show now. Yeah. Oh, this is, for sure. They have to at this point. So for that, from that point of view, yeah, it's great Star Wars. But once again, you, you notice in the plot summary I wrote for it, I didn't even write Boba Fett. He's in this episode doing nothing. He's sitting at a briefing, getting the exact same information we got two episodes ago. This is not an episode of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. It is critical Star Wars. It is important to Star Wars. It's telling us, it's connecting us back to the saga, the nine-movie saga, about how the Force travels through the Skywalker family and all the crap that happens because of that. And this is showing us, it's setting up Luke for the failure of his academy. We're seeing how, literally, how the foundations of his academy are being laid in bad faith. Yeah, it's and it's Ahsoka's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Ahsoka's fault. Yeah, and, and so whatever whatever information they can give us about this time period and about Luke and about this early temple, I want it. But we've now spent... These are coming out every week. we spent two weeks waiting for a shred of resolution to this Boba Fett story, and there's one episode left. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Chapter 6 before we go to Chapter 7? I, I agree with you 100%. It's great, but it's, as far as the story goes, it's very confusing. So if this, and we've talked before, like if is it an anthology type of show where it's just kind of a, it's just a device to just talk about other things going on. Like you'll, you'll follow other characters and then the main storyline is whatever's going on with Boba Fett, which I'd be fine with that, but they don't, that was never... It was never marketed as that, so it's just a, it's just a little confusing. If they wanted to do an anthology show, which 
we discussed, at least over text, what they could have done was two episodes of Boba Fett getting out of the Sarlacc pit and dealing with the Tuscans, two episodes with catching up with the Mandalorian, and two episodes with Luke's temple, and then two episodes with Boba Fett goes to war with the Pikes over mm-hmm. Tatooine. And that would have made sense to people. We still could have gotten a Vespa speeder chase in there, so everyone would, everyone would have been happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that, I think when you call something Book of Boba Fett, you set up an expectation mm-hmm. that you're going to get a Boba Fett story. And when that story, when you get seven episodes and 28% of those episodes are about other characters, and Boba Fett isn't even in those episodes, and it doesn't feed into directly into the plot of Boba Fett, it becomes confusing. Especially when you're leading into a finale. We've talked about filler episodes. Like when we did Bad Batch, we talked about the episode where Sid has them steal the spice from the pikes and they have to go through the mine mines under the city. Now that really didn't add to the greater plot of the episode or the series. It was just sort of a here's an adventure monster of the week. Now Buffy has to kill this sort of demon sort of episode. Mm-hmm. And though all series have those episodes, but at least in in the case of the Bad Batch, the whole cast was in it, and they were all doing stuff. They all had mm-hmm. a role, and so you're like, this is a Bad Batch adventure. We're going to go hang out with Hunter and Wrecker and Tech and do shit and see Omega say something funny. We don't even get that here. This is not an episode. This is a pilot, a backdoor pilot for a Luke Jedi Academy show, which I want. And I would watch. Yeah. So I'm not complaining. It's just one of these things where you call it Boba Fett, you set an expectation. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, it's like um, listening to an album that's sort of a whole theme, uh, like a thematic album, and then there's just a song in there that just doesn't really fit, but it's still a great song. So it's just kind of like, well, I doesn't, I don't really see how this kind of makes sense in this album, but it's still a great song. It's it's hard. It sounds like it sounds like we're complaining, and I don't think we are. I think we're just saying. This isn't what we expected. Yeah. Do you want to do the f- season finale? Okay, so season finale is Chapter 7, In the Name of Honor. And this one, again, is the uh, Robert Rodriguez episode. So so it starts off with they're, they're deciding to kind of make their last stand in the, uh, the bombed-out sanctuary. And all of Fett's people are kind of all over the place. Chrysanthemum's checking out the Trandoshans, the, the Gamorians are in the Klatwinian space. The the mods are with the Aqualish. And just everybody's, it's all spread thing. You just wonder how the hell this is going to work. And then there's an X-Wing that lands in, in Mato's port. And you find it's piloted by R2-D2 and it has Grogu in it. And there's a cool little joke. Oh, Grogu is like, well, I'm not going to, that's a terrible name. I'm not going to call you that. And that just, you know, reminds me of that. I think you sent, you sent me that meme of, from Superbad and it was like, like Grogu, like fuck that. Your name's Baby Yoda. I think I think I texted you when they were on the episode where they revealed that his name was Grogu, or Ahsoka reveals his name is Grogu, and you had seen it and I had not. And I said, if he's called anything other than Baby Yoda, I'm going to stop watching Star Wars. So just this X-wing landing thing. What's with giving him? What's with ordering him an Uber? I know, it's like sending him on the Greyhound. I, it's I understand that they can't have, or at least right now. They can't have the deep fake Luke all the time. And he is a very, probably a very well-known face, especially on Tatooine. But it's just, this is somebody's 
kid, even if it wasn't, even if Grogu wasn't force sensitive, you were turning someone's child. You, you do, who, they entrusted you to have me show them, hand deliver Grogu back to the Mandalorian. And so, yes, I didn't really understand that. And you find that obviously Grogu was wearing the shirt. So, yeah, so that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I thought for sure Luke was going to be in it and we would get some little fan service where he would run into Fixer and Cammy or, or he would know who Peli Mato was. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I don't know if I needed more fan service. I just didn't get from... Uh, it's that whole thing, I've, I've seen your day, you're not busy. I sent you that meme. I don't get why you just didn't drop it off. I mean, yeah. It's a budget thing. It would have been nothing from just a, a gesture point of view. He lands there and he gets he gets out and hands her and he says, where's the Mandalorian? She's all take him to him. And then the kid can, Grogu can recognize her and tell Luke that it's fine. And then mm-hmm. book it out of there. I just didn't get the Uber drop off. I just don't get it. Let's not dwell on it, though. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be explained somewhere along the lines. And it'll make perfect sense, hopefully. So, so Ked Bane shows up at Bob Not Sanctuary to confront Fett and they, they talk shit to each other and so and then there's eventually a, a betrayal where like Chrysanthemum, the Gamorrean guards and the mods are all attacked. The Gamorreans are killed and Chrysanthemum is overwhelmed by Trendoshans and the mods are getting shot at by the Aqualish. And it seems like the Pikes are the Pikes are gonna win. There's a there's a kind of a fake surrender where um the the mayor's toady our assistant, the, the Twilight guy, he offers to negotiate this surrender, and then I knew he wasn't going to actually say, well, this is Boba Fett would say what he's willing to offer. I knew it was going to be something like, fuck off. I didn't realize it was going to be so eloquent, because the second time I watched it, I watched him writing. I was like, oh, he's writing this whole you know, soliloquy about what he's going to do to everybody, instead of just a big middle finger. It's a reference to Michael Corleone in Godfather Part Two, where he offers the senator nothing. He says, my final offer to you is this, nothing, not even a fee for the gaming license. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's a quote of that. Mm-hmm. At least I think it's a, not a quote, but a reference to that, I think. Yeah. So, so there's just fighting going on everywhere. Shand gets on a, a speeder bike to go help, help out, help out the mods. And then right when Boba and Din are about to be overwhelmed, the people from Freetown show up to avenge, uh, avenge the marshal, which is kind of like a bummer. I thought for certain that he would be, oh, he just got winged. But this also goes to show that Din doesn't really have anything going for him anymore. That he's just willing just to die for Boba Fett. Just because he said he would be there. Like if, It's a good call. It's really depressing. It's like, yeah, I might as well just die in battle. So then these uh, two large, I guess they're called um, Scorpionic droids. Which you showed me that they are actually originally from concepts from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, they're in, the, they're in my Attack of the Clones concept art book that was published um, yes 20 something years ago so. oh yeah so yeah they're they're pretty rad they remind me a lot of the hunter killers from terminator and they've got the the shields like uh, the droid decas do and they just start fucking uh fucking shit up and, and there was a point there's like before they show up there's actually kind of like a, a mando bro moment where both din and bubba are flying around shooting and doing all sorts of cool Mandalorian shit with her armor. So that was, that was kind of cool. And then Fett says, he, he tells Din to distract distract the droids. He's going to get reinforcements. And it, it's been sitting in the back of my mind what he's going to do for reinforcements. And I wasn't, I wasn't let down. 
and he ends up meeting Din ends up meeting up with Mato and Grogu because she's in a what would you, what would you call those or um, it's a rickshaw a rickshaw with, and I thought this was one of the most touching moments where just all of a sudden just Grogu's just there and he can and he's just so happy and Grogu's so happy and Grogu just jumps into his arms and then and then the rickshaw gets blown up and then Mando has to jump and grab Grogu and huge uh, fight ensues and eventually uh, Din's able to get into the get inside the shield and he cuts out the droid but before that i sorry i got ahead of myself is all of a sudden you just hear a roar and you just see the kind of like a godzilla sort of thing where you just like you hear godzilla and you see the back spines of godzilla but you don't actually see godzilla coming through the buildings but it's it's not godzilla it's the rancor fett's riding the rancor which is pretty much foreshadowed they foreshadowed from episode three and so the Rancor really fucks up the droids, and they're able to destroy one. And then Grogu uses the Force on one, which is pretty cool. He, he's learned a lot, or he's remembered a lot from his his time with Luke. And then Fett's knocked off of the, the Rancor, and then the Rancor goes bananas and does a very King Kong sort of thing, climbs the highest tower. And then, uh, I'll say, I'll say the, about the stuff of the Rancor. I, too, I tweeted out on our Twitter account at Yubcast. The night before, I just put a photo, like a screenshot of him with the Rancor, and I wrote, ride him, hoping that it happened. It did. I think a lot of people were expecting it and hoping that it would happen. It was a big payoff moment. I thought it, I thought the Rancor looked great. I thought him, the Rancor, fighting the droids was amazing. There was a lot of plot armor surrounding that Rancor, but I get that they're thick their thick hides are resistant to blasters. I mean, he gets shot a bunch. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem to phase him much. But then when when Boba Fett loses control, gets knocked off, and is no longer controlling the Rancor, him climbing up the tower, I was well, you're sort of losing the thread. You're supposed to be the hero, and you're sort of causing this problem. But then when I watched it again with my kids, they loved it. They were laughing very hard. Mm-hmm. And when the Rancor was climbing the tower, and my the older older one, the boy, was saying, saying, "Oh man, now he's King Kong." And I was like, <laughs> "All right, I get it." Whenever it's good to have little kids around, gut check these reactions. I really, really enjoyed the Rancor stuff. Yeah, and Din tries to bring it, tries to get it down, and he, it tries to bite him, and it just shows how strong his armor is because it literally bites down in his helmet but it can't do anything he shoots his flamethrower inside of its mouth and it's still mad as hell and eventually grogu just walks out and it just calms it down and then it puts it to sleep and then grogu snuggles snuggles up next to it and then there's the sorry i'm kind of jumping around but there's the 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 duel between fett and cad bane and cad bane easily bests boba fett multiple times and it isn't until the very end that he gets it, Boba Fett gets his gaffy stick out, disarms Bane, and then finally stabs him. And so, can I ask I don't a question here? Is he dead? Is he dead? Yes. He's, okay. He's, I'm just, I, you can only do the, is somebody alive? Oh, they, can they survive that? So many times. And then given that the, the end credit scene, they can't be doing this twice. I agree. I think I think for lots of for both of for that reason the in, the end credit scene I hadn't thought of, but that in combination with not being able to bring everybody back all the time, I think he's dead. And I I actually prefer it. He's an old man, and there'll be other opportunities to bring him back potentially in other series that take place before Book of Boba Fett. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, no, before everything's back to normal, they get they show where the pikes are, 
And originally, this is where Fennec Shand was heading. And the Pikes are like, yep, we're out of here. You, you said that this would be a good place to do business. But, and the mayor and all the, the heads of the, the other crime families are, are mad. And somebody goes and just starts killing all of them. And then the the mayor, the the Ithorian, gets killed in a pretty brutal way. I thought just just a little slick, just a little. What would you call it? A, a garrot? Yeah, it's uh, a, it's like a piano wire garrot. It's like hung hung by a wire. Yeah, and and then he's just like hanging there, and then Fennec Shan stabs the, the the pike, and then pretty much also that ends well. And then they're just kind of a uh, scene of Boba Fett and Shan walking around, and everybody's just kind of like nodding, doing this little chest sort of salute somebody gives him some fruit he gives it to chrysanthemum then one of the uh, mods complains and then chrysanthemum yells at him and then everybody's happily ever after didn't grogu fly off in the new starfighter and in a pretty what i thought was a pretty funny sequence that grogu kept on bugging him and eventually to do something and he eventually is finally okay this is the last time then he hits the the, the kind of like the turbo and they go super fast and you see grogu just kind of barely holding on he's inside the little you know pod it's very funny it's super cute it's a nice moment for the two of them i thoroughly enjoyed it and hitting the little afterburner or whatever it was yeah i can we're fathers of small children we've been in that moment where the kid's like cut it yeah and sometimes you do because it's fun you can go in with the and you say like well i'm not going to do this i'm going to be I'm not going to be this kind of parent that gives in to the kids and then after the hundredth time of them bugging you on something, you're just like, fine. I've often said being being a dad is about being the authoritarian half the time and being the oldest kid half the time. Mm-hmm. When you lay down the law, you lay down the law. But sometimes it's like, do you want to play video games? Yeah. Do you want to play Mario Kart with me? And you play Mario Kart. Or you, mm-hmm. build, that Lego, you build that Lego thing or you fly a drone or you shoot off a rocket. But being the biggest kid is the fun part about being a dad. Yeah. Well, and so pretty much that's the end of the show. But then there is a scene at the end where you see uh, Cobb Vanth in uh, Boba Fett's back to the tank. And then there's the guy from the mod parlor who is just firing up what looks like a some sort of flame. So he's going to get modded somehow. Maybe he's got really got really messed up. And so they... They need to. He's going to have like a robotic arm or something like that. Poor Chuck Wendig. They they won't kill his character. <laughs> what do you think Cobb Vance's first words are going to be when he comes out of the tank? Two snorts of spotchka. That's good. That's a good guess. No idea. What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust. Protect the innocent. <laughs> uphold the law. Do <laughs> <laughs> we Robocop? Oh, oh yeah. You'll, you, you had that thing that says like RoboCop. RoboCop. And and I had the very what I thought was a very funny joke was the the long long time ago of law enforcement instead yeah. of the future of law enforcement. So let's so let's do our thing real quick. What did you think of episode seven? It was good job on the monster recall. Yeah, I was I was pretty happy with it overall. The second time around watching it, I, when I first watched it, I was kind of like, I liked it, but there's something I can't quite put my finger on that's not sitting right with me. But I watched it again with the kids and just had had more fun. Took it took it less seriously than I normally do, and I just took it for what it was. It could have ended a little bit better. Seemed kind of like a very kind of a cheesy ending where they're all just kind of laughing and. Black Crescentons is like, because he's the butt of a joke or whatever. But overall, I thought it was pretty good and kind of 
they tied everything up pretty well, maybe a little bit too fast sometimes because I don't know how they were able to hold off an entire army. And there's a few teenagers, a really jacked Wookiee, and two guys in Mandalorian armor. And then, then a bunch of, well, I guess the people from uh, Freetown. But they didn't seem like that they were that great, like that big of, of big of a force, or really turn. They did really anything to turn the tide. Yeah, I, my criticism is, so I liked it too, and I liked it much, much more the second time I watched it with the family than before. And I think if I sat down and watched one, two, three, four, and seven, I would probably really enjoy it as as a series. I just skip five and six. Um, for reasons, I think I would really enjoy that those five episodes as an arc. I would say that it did; it was a little rushed, and that I was 100% expecting an army of Tuscans to show up to save the day. And I, I thought that that would be pretty fitting. Mm-hmm. That the Tuscans would, like another, like a large couple tribes of Tuscans would show up and save the day, and show some cohabitation stuff and men fences with with the Tatooinians. Mm-hmm. But overall, I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. It was about what I was... Not what I expected, but it was satisfying overall. I also thought going into the episode 7, I was very confident that there was going to be a second season. And the only thing that makes me think that there's going to be a second season now is Robocop. Yeah. Or that's... a. Uh... That's a teaser for something else. Yeah, I mean, also this show was not necess- this show was only seventy-two um, percent about Boba Fett, and so I think it's probably healthier to think of the Mandoverse as live-action Star Wars and see what happens. So, season three of Mandalorian's coming out. We're getting Andor, as well as Kenobi. We now know that Kenobi's coming out in late May, May twenty-fifth. So we, we know these things are coming out, and so who knows if there's going to be references and crossovers in between live-action Star Wars the way, the way there is in the books, with reoccurring characters that only exist in the books. Reoccurring themes and plots and nods and winks that only occur in the live-action stuff. We have a quite a long recording, so I think we should probably wrap it up. Okay. Can we talk about what we're doing next, and then roll our die? We'll be talking about Clone Wars? So we're going to start our review of Clone Wars, the canon Clone Wars. This was actually the original inception of the show, so we wanted to have a Clone Wars review podcast, but we decided to take years reviewing other material <laughs> leading yeah. into a insanely long series with seven, se- seven seasons. And so we're going to start the Clone Wars review, and it's going to take us a long time to get through Clone Wars long time Um, yeah and things like bad batch are going to come out and other cartoons and so we'll figure out how to navigate that but we'll probably pause clone wars and review those shows as they're happening like we did with bad batch last time Mm -hmm. and visions and just keep doing clone wars for the next five years until we get all of those done (laughs) (laughs) yeah but we're going to do them in plot order and so we'll like exactly what episodes we're going to do. The next episode is going to be Season 2, Episode 16 of The Clone Wars, entitled Cat and Mouse, which is the first episode 
of Clone Wars in chronological order. So we'll just announce it, and we'll put it on our Twitter feed and do all that stuff. So everything's going to be fine. Everyone's going to be catch up. And then eventually the order becomes much more more logical. But the other thing we're going to do is we're going to gamify the podcast a little bit. And I have a D20 in my hand, a 20-sided die in my hand. And before, at the end of every episode, starting today, I will roll this die and I will film the roll so we can, we know there's no funny business. <laughs> and if the roll lands on a one, we will review an Ewoks episode. If it lands on 2 through 20, we're going to review the next Clone Wars episode, which is Season 2, Episode 16, Cat and Mouse. And so, we ready for the roll? Let's do it. Let me turn my phone camera on. Filming. And I rolled an 18. Squarely in the Clone Wars. So, we will be reviewing Clone Wars next time. So, I guess that's it for us. And... I'm super looking forward to reviewing Clone Wars with you. Yeah, me too. It's Clone Wars is I can't think of any that I really disliked. So oh, we'll find them. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure we will. Thanks for listening. Be sure to uh, rate us on uh, whatever podcast thing that you found us on. Tell a friend because we uh, obviously don't put any money into this, other than Matt buying a, a twenty-sided die. And then if you don't like us, well, tell somebody you don't like about it and waste their time. So we'll be back uh, with our next episode going over the Clone Wars. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Coach, you have to do.